This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Ralph Dangelmeyer. He's the CEO and founder of a company called BlueSnap, a leading global e-commerce payments company. He's a fintech payment veteran with a wealth of experience creating innovative product solutions for retailers and financial institutions worldwide. He has a strong track record of growing private and public companies, both organically and through M&A activity. Ralph, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. Thanks, Nathan, for having me. You bet. All right. Fintech is hot. What's BlueSnap doing? How do you make money? Well, it's really simple. We're making money only when we help merchants make money. So when a merchant wants to go sell against a big competitor like an Amazon, we help their checkout process look like Amazon where you can do a one click and go. And the merchants need a lot of help doing that since Amazon is everywhere. So how do you, I mean, a lot of people say Amazon has a lock on this market because obviously they're one click patent. You figure out a way around that and then deliver it to merchants. What's your way around it? How are you a little different? Well, how we're different is the Prime and the one-click, they have patents on that, but they don't have the patent on how to one-click checkout with things like Visa, MasterCard, or using American Express. So what we do is we provide technology that allows the merchant to offer the exact same type of services. Second thing we've done is we've helped merchants enable the wallets, things like Apple Pay um, or PayPal, so that merchants can also, if they're set up that way, they can allow their shoppers to one-click checkout with Apple Pay or PayPal. So that's a, a little bit of a differentiator for us in the space that we are in. Your website says, finally, you can get everything you need to process payments, a payment gateway solution, a merchant account, and advanced features to help boost your bottom line all in one place. Does that do a good job of getting everything in one bucket? It really does, because what happens is, is if you're a merchant and you want to all of a sudden accept credit cards, in the old days, you would have to go to a bank and you have to get approved at a bank and that might take you three or four weeks and then you would have to actually go code to a certified provider and that might take a couple of weeks and then you hope that those all things work together um, and you hope that the functionality is what you need. And so when you come to us, uh, we do everything in one spot. We, we give you the bank account immediately, we give you the ability to code immediately and we give you the tools you need to be successful in your marketplace against people like Amazon. Help people understand how this is different from Stripe. Well, in a lot of ways, it's very similar to Stripe, especially in the United States. But where we differ from Stripe is we're much more global. So we actually have many banks around the world so we can actually help transactions get through at a higher rate than Stripe does. So in other words, we provide you with more sales. The other thing that we do that's- Wait, why is that? What, Ralph, why do more get through on you? You have different processing around fraud or what? 
Yeah, we have different processing partners around the world. So what happens is there, yes, there's better fraud filters on those tools. And secondly, is if you can keep the card transactions as local as you can, and this is a little known secret that people don't know about payments acquiring, you're going to have a higher chance of getting your, your card accepted. So for example, if I'm a shopper in Germany and I send my transaction into California to get approved, there's a lower chance that that transaction is going to go through than if I process that transaction in Germany. It makes sense. So if you can keep German on German and U.S. on U.S., you're going to have a higher chance of getting your card through. You're going to have more knowledge of fraud. So you'll have higher card sales and less fraud. So that's a stronger model than what they offer. Also, uh, we feel pretty good that we're on the phone helping merchants. We provide them with advice, especially on the checkout, what features and tools that they should do in setting things up. Uh, it's not really a set and forget. You gotta constantly monitor and, and, and watch your checkout site to make sure that you're up to date with any new products that are coming out or with any new, um, any new uh, uh, tools that might be out there that you can use, especially around fraud. So we offer a lot of advice to people about how to increase their sales and conversions and reduce fraud, which they don't seem to do. Tell us about money, Ralph. What's your revenue model? Our revenue model is very simple. We take a small piece of the transaction, um, which is a very common way that a payment processor gets paid in this fintech world. How small? So it really depends on the merchants, but, uh, you know, it's, it's anywhere from, we charge generally the same rates that Stripe does in this market. For people that don't know what Stripe is, like, give me your best case in terms of the lowest fee and then your worst case in terms of the, the max fee. Yeah. So people will charge the lowest fee you charge are things like debit cards where you're paying a little bit below 1%. And when you're paying card to card, you're paying under 2.9%. Okay, so if someone signs up to use you because they hear you on the show, they love you, they can expect to pay somewhere between, you know, 10 cents on every $10 of sale all the way up to, to you know, 2.9 cents. That's correct. Got it. Are there any volume discounts? There always are. Yes, it depends on what type of business you're in, obviously, but there is always volume discounts. Where do people start hitting those? Millions of dollars, hundreds of thousands in volume through you? It's a good question. Usually when you start getting to a couple million dollars a year, um, but really they, they kick in pretty big when you're starting to do a couple million a month. Okay. A couple million a month. And give me more of your backstory here. So you've had success in this industry, both public and private. Why did you launch the company and what year was that? So yes, you're right. I've been in five FinTech companies and they've all done real well. And about five or six years ago, we looked around and we said, you know, it seems like there's just not enough competition or enough players helping merchants sell globally. Uh, particularly the ones that are in the SMB market. There was no one really helping someone on Main Street. They didn't have that trusted advisor. There was a couple of players. And so I was running a, a decent-sized public company in the fintech space, and a few investors came Which and one? said, it's called ACI, ACI Worldwide. And a couple of investors in the area said, geez, if we can help finance um, the starting of a company by buying some technology in Israel, would you guys be willing to do that and jump in and help as a CEO? And I said, sure. And that's what launched the whole idea. And it's been taken off ever since. Uh, so, so Ralph, hold on a second. So people are listening right now going, there's this guy, Ralph. He's got a great job. He's a CEO of a publicly traded company. I'd love to be CEO of a publicly traded company. And he just dropped it all at a whim because some investors said we have this new idea from tech coming out of Israel and he drops everything and does it. What, what's the story there? Like you like the space, they gave you a great incentive plan. What is it? Yeah. So yeah, good question. So I wasn't the CEO, I was the president of a public traded company, number one. 
Um, and number two, what the public traded company did primarily was help merchants with swiping of cards. And even though it was a great business and the company is still doing extremely well, I figured the strategy going forward was all going to be around people buying on the phone and buying without a 70-year-old plastic card. And with the invention of the internet and with the invention of e-commerce and the invention of people really trying to accept the smartphone, those three ingredients look like a real chance to have super success in launching cool products that are going to help merchants compete really with Amazon. I thought those, those were the ingredients for leaving. And how did you have the tough com- – I mean, maybe they were tough, maybe they weren't, but they're saying, okay, Ralph, we want to give you 60% of the company. We're going to bring the cash. We get four – I mean, how do you have the conversations about splits and who's contributing what? So the good news is that they had already found the company, so there was already technology they found. So it was a pretty straightforward conversation about I bring the management skills and the talent, you bring the cash, and we formed the partnership, and off we went. And so that's how you do those things. And um, for folks that have done that before, especially on your show, they, they know that uh, those conversations are hard, but they're not difficult, and, and a lot of times they're, they're pretty straightforward to get done. Guys, big news. Last month was a huge month for the company I recently acquired, which was www.thetopinbox.com. I liked the company so much when I met the person who created it. It lets you send emails later on Gmail, set up reminders like snooze almost to keep your inbox clean, do things like send auto follow-ups and do open tracking so you know when your emails get opened. It's great if you're in sales or CEO or trying to be more productive. So listen, I bought the whole company on the spot and I wanna tell you how I did it. I've showed the deal, by the way, to big, smart people, private equity firms, VCs, and they're dumbfounded. They go, Nathan, how did you do this? We've never seen a deal like this. How did you do this? So I did an unbelievable deal and I wanna show you the income report. So for me to send you the income report, go to www.thetopinbox.com click the red button that says install this on Gmail. And when you do that, my email will appear. It'll appear in a little uh, Gmail pop-up window. Send me an email and I'll reply immediately with the income report. And you can see how I'm buying and growing small B2B SaaS companies. That's www.thetopinbox.com. Totally free to try and use. www.thetopinbox.com. I've talked to many, many people where they'll do like a search fund, they'll go find the technology like they did in Israel, but they won't bring all the capital, they just bring the management team. And typically they end up with about 20% of the company and they're actually running it and then they get the cash from elsewhere and they keep 80%. Did you generally follow that model or did you were you able to get more than 20%? No, that, we generally follow that model. The, the team and the employees, that's exactly how it works. That's great. And so uh, up to what was the initial bump of cash put into the company? Have you raised additional capital since then? Yeah, so the additional uh, cash put in the company was $100 million, and then after that, we've announced that we've raised another $70 million. Over so how- it takes quite a bit. That's what happened now over about five years. Five years. Okay, very good. And then how do you, well, I mean, what are you, what's the core, what are the core metrics you're looking at today? Is it just volume of money through your platform, or is it number of total customers you're installed on? What do you look at? We have a number of KPIs we look at. So we look at total volume coming through our, our platform right now. Um, we look at the revenue that we earn on that, and we look at the at, at the expenses. So those are the three big metrics. But we also look at the number of customers that we have. We look at the quality of the customers we have. We think we got a great name client list right now. Um, and we're looking for companies that are generally in the SMB market that are really out to succeed 
and has some cool products to offer consumers. And we've had incredible success just in the last week. I mean, I think we put out a press release that showed we saw triple digit growth on uh, Black uh, Black Friday, on Cyber Monday. We even saw almost 65% growth on Thanksgiving. So people were shopping all week as you've seen the numbers growing amazing. And guys, just for those of you listening now, we're recording this November 30th of 2017. You guys will, are probably hearing it early in 2018, but that's why he's referencing the last week or two of sales. So that's great. What are you guys at now, Ralph, in terms of total kind of customers that are merchants that are using you? Yeah, so we're up to about 5,000 merchants that are using our product right now. Um, and growing very quickly. Okay, and then over the trailing 12 months, how much volume have you processed, and what do you think that'll grow to over the next 12 months? Yeah, so we're not allowed to disclose that because we're private, but you can assume that's in the billions. Okay, in terms of what you'll do over the next 12 months, or you already have processed more than a billion over the past 12? We're, we're, already, we're already in the B range, and we'll be processing multiple times. That We're growing a triple-digit growth right now. In terms of volume through you year over year? Year-over-year year volume, that's correct. That's great. Do you, will you break the $5 billion mark over the next 12 months in 2018? Uh, well, I can't disclose that, but we are going really, really quickly. Come on, that's a big goal. That's like a come back on the show and drink <laughs> champagne with me kind of goal. Well, hey, I'm happy to do that. Where are you sitting? <laughs> I'm in Austin, Texas, but I'll go wherever. Okay. All right. So 5,000 merchants, over a billion dollars in volume or well over that over the past 12 months. You do that by taking, again, between 1% and 2.9% of that billion dollars. Do you have any other revenue streams, professional services, anything like that? Um, no, we don't. But really, if you think about that percents of revenue that we that we collect, we have to distribute that revenue amongst multiple partners. We've distributed to the issuing bank of the card. We've distributed to Visa MasterCard to be able to process. So, so we get a very, very, very small piece of that. Um, so we're distributing that to the to the big brands and the big banks, which is how the card processing network works. So Wait, we don't take all Ralph, that's interesting. That's interesting for me. Can't, I want to understand those economics more. So on $100 going through your system, you, you take the, that's the merchant. Someone buys $100 through a merchant that, that uses you guys. Let's do the worst case scenario. You take 2.9%. We'll do 3% to make it easy, but even though it's the worst case for you. So $3 out. What, what, how's that $3 breakdown in terms of all the parties you just mentioned? Yeah, so, so think of it. There's about 10 parties that may get paid in that transaction. Wow. So I'm going to simplify this. Yeah, it's a little bit for you guys. But the biggest piece of it, anywhere from 15 to 2% of that transaction is going to go to the person that issued the card the Chase, the Capital One. That's why you see Capital One credit card commercials going all the time. That's why you see people flagging you down the airport saying, hey, sign up for my card. That's why you're at the football game. They're trying to get you to sign up for cards, okay? Because they get 1% to 2% of every piece of that transaction. Because why? They're issuing the card. They're taking the risk. You default on that merchant, that card, hold, that, that card is going to step in and pay the bills. And that's why they take the liability. And, and so that's why they get the lion's share of the money, okay? Then the next big biggest piece of that is going to be someone like Visa MasterCard, right? Because they have the brand. It's their logo. Okay, they're the guys that take another piece of it. Wait, how's that different? How's that different than like Chase or Capital One? Well, Capital One and Chase are the, are the bank. They're issuing the card. They're issuing you the card. Yep. So they're the ones that take the risk if something happens. Visa and MasterCard, that's the brand. That's the brand that you're processing with, okay? So think of you can think of them as just a big brand. It's a trust brand. It's a, it's a way that we communicate. And they get and half they, a point? Um, around there, let's just say, yeah, they get, they get a lion's share of that. And so what happens then is that brand is a network called the Visa Network that the cardholder, the issuer of uh, like Chase would talk to Visa on. And so, so they, they take most of the money. 
And then you have to have, there's some money that's to get paid on for um, fraud fees. And then there's re fees that have to go to the person that's actually acquiring the transaction, right? So if you have your card issue at Chase and then you pay with a merchant that actually has Citibank, right? Citibank takes a piece of the action. So um, we get the leftovers. That's well, sort of way Ralph, I, well, I hate to tell you this, but I, I was envious when you first told me billions, but now I'm not so envious. So on a $100 sale, uh, of this $3 fee that comes out, $2 is going to go to Chase or Capital One or the card issuer. Another 50 cents, maybe 75 cents is going to Visa or Mastermind. And then you may have like 10 cents, 20 cents going to fraud fees and extracurriculars. You have like 10 or 20 cents you make in your business before your SG&A on a $100 sale. Is that right? That's about right. That's you are in the volume game, my friend. You are in the volume game, yeah. They will come. All right, Ralph. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? My favorite business book? Um, boy, that's a hard one. Probably uh, Good to Great. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying currently? Well, um, not really. Okay, number uh, three, is there a favorite online tool that you have? Well, I personally work with LinkedIn a lot. I like that's a great way to look at a business and understand the track records of people. So that's my favorite. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? <laughs> I try to get six. That's pretty good. And what's your situation? Married, single, you have kids? Uh, I'm married with three children. Out of two the dogs. house? Uh, two out of the house, one in. All right. And how old are you, Ralph? I'm 50. All right. Last oh. question. Take us back 30 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Oh, my 20-year-old self. He wasn't so bad, but, uh, but, um, you know, what happened is, uh, I wish I really knew a lot more about how payments work because, um, payments is a field that or FinTech really nobody knows about. And actually one of the things I've done as a little hobby is I've gone into quite a few schools and I've tried to teach, um, classes and I'm doing one tonight, by the way, at which um, school? it's a school called Stonehill college, but I've spoken at, um, Places, a lot of schools are in the Boston area, and I'm going to be speaking at one in California recently, just teaching a little bit about fintech and what does it mean and what are the opportunities, because very few people come out of school learning about fintech and understand how the whole payment system works, and it's extremely ripe for a lot of innovation and disruption, and so I'm encouraging more people to get into the field. Bullish or bearish on crypto? Very bullish. Interesting. Very bullish on crypto, blockchain, well, uh, last question here. Robo advisors, wealth front or betterment, who wins? <laughs> uh, betterment and, uh, I'm not sure who wins. <laughs> All right. Thanks Ralph so much. There you guys have it from Ralph. Again, his, he's had a lot of success in the FinTech space, launched blue snap about five years ago. They're now doing billions in terms of merchants and, and, and buying happening through their platform. They basically help these merchants get the power of Amazon, but on their own sites, great tech, great company started with a hundred million bucks to acquire the company out of Israel. They've raised an additional 70 million since then making about 10 to 20 cents on every hundred dollar sale. So volume, volume, volume. Ralph, thanks for taking us to the top. All right. Thanks for having me, Adrian.